Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Um, different podcast release today, just kind of uh, sharing a couple thoughts on, on something that has been very important to me. Um, you know, I've kind of uh, had a lot of people ask me over the years about what happened with my time during the Blazers and wanting to know what it was like being a part of that organization. Um, and it kind of came to light a lot over the last couple of days because of a lot of the news that's going on with uh, the environment around the Portland Trailblazers front office and, and how things are run. And I'll just be honest, uh, in no way, shape or form am I surprised at all with the reports that are coming out of Portland. Uh, I've, I've read a number of articles from you know national as well as, as local media, and uh, I kind of get a little chuckle knowing uh, the things that I know and knowing some of the things that uh, occurred uh, during my um, end of my relationship and my tenure working for the Portland Trailblazers. And I don't say this to, you know, try to, uh, you know, get in the middle of anything or or really uh, cause a stir. Um, but I, I feel with everything being said and everything going on, um, my experience can shed a lot of light uh, on just maybe uh, what's going on because I was at the front end of things and if you look back or if you look at it now from the perspective of the way I was treated nine years ago, uh, it's an absolute foreshadowing, I'm sure, of what a lot of other people have gone through. And, and a lot of people that uh, maybe didn't have the the roots of being uh, a Portland Trailblazer fan from growing up uh, or a kid like myself who had a dream of being a Blazer. I was able to realize that goal twice as a player. And then I was able to be a part of, uh, you know, my childhood dream organization a third time uh, when Chad Buchanan, interim GM, hired me to be a player development coach uh, under Nate McMillan's staff and then also start to learn uh, the front office side under him and, and his staff at the time and enjoyed all my different stints with the Blazers. But the way it ended, uh, as I kind of alluded to, was interesting, was shocking, and um, it, it doesn't surprise me, as I said, to see how things have uh, kind of played out in in the media over the last couple of years, or excuse me, in the last couple of days. Um, you know, I had two stints with Neil before, uh, or I had two separate stints with Neil. One, I was a player with the Clippers. I believe his role was director of player personnel. I never really had a, a close relationship with him, but I, I knew that, you know, every time we talked basketball or talked about different things, um, he was very opinionated and it was kind of his way or nothing. Um, when he was hired by the Blazers, you know, I was excited because there was a new person in charge and I had a fresh slate. Not that I needed a fresh slate, but uh, I was ready and excited to kind of prove uh, my value um, to the organization and, and how I could be a benefit moving forward. 
depending on what coaching staff, uh, what head coach he hired and depending on, you know, what his ideas were on the front office. Curious to see which direction um, that I would, that I would have an opportunity to go. Well, you know, as soon as he took over, um, you know, he let all of the coaches go except for myself and Caleb Canales, who uh, was a lot, was, in the head coach interview process um, to maintain that position who uh, which he had as the interim during that time. But essentially, Caleb and I were the only guys left on the coaching staff where we ran all the pre-draft workouts and we ran all uh, all of summer league along with uh, the help of a couple of different video coordinators who did a tremendous job and Hersey Hawkins, who didn't really have a basketball role, but he had a kind of a mentorship role for a lot of players. Um, you know, he's such a good guy. He jumped in and helped out with everything. Um, and, and with that, uh, you know, a lot has been said about uh, his draft pick of Damian Lillard. I can tell you flat out um, w- with no concern about it. The Blazers had Damian Lillard pinpointed from day one uh, under Chad Buchanan's uh, scouting and evaluation. Uh, it's It's something that it was when I was – working as a player development and learning the coach and learning the front office, Chad Buchanan asked me to go with him to watch a Portland state Weaver state game um, during the season. And I said, of course, I was trying to learn uh, the front office, the scouting role and, and see what the, the, those roles uh, entail. And if that's where I wanted to go with things. And so Chad just said, Hey, just meet me there. We're going to watch the game. So we get there half an hour before and, um, we're talking uh, just big picture stuff. Hey, this is how I prepare. This is how other guys prepare. Um, I want you to just take your notes on this game uh, and let me know what you think. Um, just watch Damian Lillard. I said, okay. I knew a little bit about him, but not much. Had never seen him in person. Um, Damian Lillard goes out to just absolutely destroy Portland State in that first half. Uh multiple threes from way beyond the the what would have been the NBA line on the college court halftime Chad looks over at me and goes what do you think I said well I'm kind of new to this uh the scouting thing and especially trying to to peg a big sky level or big sky player and how they would fit into the NBA but I said I know I know this much this he's damn good I, I he's gonna he he's a tremendous player he checked all the boxes to me and he just kind of had a look on his face is like yeah we've been tracking him for quite some time we really like him so I knew then and there the Blazers were were absolutely sold on him just from the conversations with Chad Buchanan it ended up you know Damon ended up having pre-draft workout with the Blazers where they chose him at number six um you know I was able to be uh in that pre-draft workout unfortunately for myself I had to guard Damien in that workout a lot and, and I could tell you from from that experience uh he was on another level uh he was a really talented player and I knew he was going to be good I'll be honest I I wouldn't have pegged him for top 75 all time but it shows you a little bit about his character his drive his work ethic to 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 work to be as good as he can and so it's been fun to track his career uh in pull for him uh even though i i can honestly say i'm not a portland trailblazer fan that that i was growing up and that's frustrating and disappointing for me to say because i was one of the biggest if not the biggest blazer fans growing up in the portland area i mean i could have i could name uh you know as an eight nine ten year old the entire roster i mean you go 
Kiki Vandaway, Darnell Valentine, Audie Norris, Steve Coulter, uh, Richard Anderson, you know, to then you move on to you know, Jim Paxson, then you move on to, to the group of Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, Buck Williams, Kersey, I mean, on and on down the list, Caldwell Jones. I mean, I was the biggest Blazer fan you could imagine. I love the game of basketball. My biggest goal was someday to play for the Blazers. Lucky enough, as I mentioned, I had that chance twice and then a third time uh, while working in the in the player development uh, in the front office and learning it in year one. You know, so again, uh, I get the opportunity to be there. Um, I'm, I'm learning. I'm doing everything I can to, um, you know, provide value to to the organization. And when Neil gets the job, you know, he told me uh, we're going to give everybody an opportunity. You're going to get uh, we're going to see how you work. I want to hear what you've been doing, um, you know, uh, We'll, we'll, we'll just be in touch with how everything's going, but I can't give you a job now. I got it. I understood it. That's, that's anybody in position has every right to kind of um, make their decisions on the staff, but what they should not have the ability to do um, is to, to handle things in the manner that he handled um, not only in the short interim, but at the end of my tenure with the Blazers, which I'll touch on in a second, which is just uh, ridiculous. Every time, uh, you know, I would try to, to bring up in conversation just to have an idea of where I stood with the organization, what I need to do, what can I improve upon, um, you know, where do you see me? Um, you know, it was always pushed aside, never got an answer to. Um, we, we never truly had a chance to meet in depth or do any type of job interview. Um, that's fine. I get it. When you take over that role, you're busy. Um, but I felt it was very odd. And it just didn't make sense to me because myself growing up in the Portland area, um, I wanted to be there. I would almost do anything to be a part of the organization at that time. He would have known that. And, you know, uh, I would have I had expressed multiple times that this is where I wanted to be. This is what I wanted to do. Um, you know, where do I stand? Never a word. It was almost as if I was just being strung along um, to get through summer league uh, and then it was going to be, uh, you know, his whole crew, whoever he wanted to hire, somebody that really didn't have uh, previous ties to the organization. Um, you know, so during this time of Neil really not giving me much of an opportunity to, to really be given uh, tr a, a true place or value in, in knowing where I stood, uh, one of the assistant general managers um, really thought highly of the work that I did in, in my first year of coaching with the Blazers and player development. And he encouraged me um, and asked me to interview for the Idaho Stampede G D League head coaching job at the time. And I was quite frankly, I was taken back a little bit. I was like, wow, in year one, you guys, you think that highly of me as a, as a possible coach that um, you want me to interview. And so he said, what I'd like you to do is I want you to, get all your thoughts together. I want you to get prepared for an interview. Um, and so I did the interview and I did all the preparation and I thought I did an okay job in the interview by no stretch of the imagination. Did I feel I was a front runner for the job or I would get the job. Um, but I felt good about my preparation, but my preparation had started 
throughout the whole season of working for the Blazers. Uh, working under Dean Cooper, the director of player development, uh, I was working on my coaching philosophies, my offensive and defensive playbooks, um, and how everything um, was going to come together for me if I ever had a chance to, to continue to progress in coaching. So I had been working on that stuff throughout the course of the year. Um, and so I had a chance, as I mentioned, to interview for the, for the Stampede job no word, no answer. That's fine. The process many times takes a long time. Um, but as as things went along, uh, summer league ends up still no answer on the on the stampede job. Um, still no answer on who's a, a head coach um, that's going to take over the role. Well, the Blazers hired Terry Stotts as a head coach. Great. They hired their own staff or he hires his own coach. Staff had that head coach has the autonomy to to hire his own staff. I was told I was going to get a, an interview. I, I talked with them the day uh, after I was hired. Um, they were going to take a couple day, a couple weeks to to hire a staff. Uh, oddly enough, a couple days later, um, a staff was announced with three head coaches or three assistant coaches. Um, I got it. No worries. I wasn't one of the 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 um, pre-selected guys for a staff. I got it was told I was going to get an interview, never got it. Um, and that's fine. Again, I'm not complaining. A head coach has full autonomy to build a staff the way that he wants. But throughout this process of taking a couple weeks from the end of summer league into now the middle of uh, August, um, trying to figure out and, and, again, figure out where I stand in the organization, where I may be, what I want to do. Uh, I, I'm a new coach. I'm, I'm new in the NBA world as far as coaching or front office. Help me out here. Give me a little bit of guidance, a little bit of direction. So uh, my agent and I have been constantly in conversation about what are my next steps? What do we want to do? Um, we had asked a number of times where, where we stood in the process of the stampede job because nothing had been announced. Um, it essentially now by that point said, well, I probably not going to get it. Um, but if anything changes, we'll let you know during this time, again, I'm kind of in no man's land trying to figure out where I lay. Well, as mentioned, I grew up a, a big time blazer fan being a part of that organization meant a lot to me. I send an email to the, the head of the blazers, um, on the business side, Sarah Mentz at the time. And the email, all it said is this, Sarah, I hope this email finds you well. I would like to get a chance to meet for coffee earlier this week. I've enjoyed being back as a part of the Blazers family this past year. I believe that my involvement has been good for everyone involved. Being from Portland, I would obviously like to stay not only for my career development, but also to be a part of the bright future the Blazers have. I will be out of town next weekend, but would appreciate the chance to meet. Thanks. So essentially, I'm just asking the business side of wanting to be a part of the organization. Two days later, I get a phone call from Neil Olshay. And it's odd that I say two days later because uh, earlier this summer when I was cleaning out some files in my garage, I came across this and I took a screenshot of the notes that I took uh, after I had a phone call with Neil on August 21st. And in an aggressive tone, he calls me and he starts cursing me out, telling me, why would you effing go behind my back? You went behind my back and tried to play politics with the email that you sent. Uh, you former players don't get it. You don't work. You're lazy. 
um, you're, you're going to have a hard time finding a job in the league ever again if this is the way you act because you're a former player and you're very lazy. I responded that uh, I did everything and more, um, everything and more that I was asked of. Um, I asked him that, I asked him who said I was lazy. He wouldn't tell me. And he said, you don't break down film um, and you've mimeographed and copied all of your all of your coaching thoughts and none of those are a single thought of your own and i asked him about that i said that's odd because uh, i was not given access to the video uh files from the blazers the pre previous season to learn to break it down on my own and come up with clips i learned as best i could from dean cooper and the other coaches uh who, who i would watch and learn from during the time so i had no access to do that so you, you can't say that I, I told him when he when he told me that I copied all of my um, uh, offensive and, and defensive handbooks, my philosophies on things, he, he told me I Xeroxed it and I just copied it word for word. And I found that big time uh, an insult to myself, but also to every other coach uh, that has ever coached, not just basketball, but any sport, because you tell me the coach that has come up with every single idea or set in the game of basketball or formation in football that has ever come up with it on their own. No, great coaches learn from other coaches, tweak things to fit their eye, ask other coaches for help, ask them for guidance, and come back and build a philosophy and a handbook tailored to their sport that fits their eye and what they would do. And it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. So for him to have said that I copied it was absolutely outrageous. I had spent hours on it. I, he asked where my philosophy was. It was in there. I had worked diligently, spent hundreds of hours on it. And I was actually very proud of, of how much time and effort I put into it. I still have those books to this day um, because at times I go back and look at it after I've seen a, a, maybe a play in college or at the NBA. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I, I remember I, I drew that up on fast draw. That was one of the um, applications that I was allowed to have. I think I probably bought fast draw though at the time and I didn't um, have access to it from the Blazers, but that's another point. Again, I said he came at me with an aggressive tone and he said, uh, as a former player, I didn't work. All former players didn't work, that we were lazy. And he said that after summer league was over, um, I hadn't been around the practice facility enough. And I asked him what he meant by that because we had no players in town. All the players were gone. There were no players in town. Um, so I had asked him, okay, well, well, if that's the case, what do you want me to do? Um, I've asked for to, to see what I can be doing at this time. No one's told me. There's no point in me going down the practice facility and just sitting there and doing nothing. And along to that fact, my wife and I, we, we – uh, just had a new child into our family uh, in May of that year. So I had my my wife had a child in the middle of May, and throughout all of that time and June, uh, we were pre-draft workouts. Then of July, I'm gone for summer league, and so August is a slow month in the NBA. Knowing that, I was at home spending time with with our newborn and being around my family, which is perfectly acceptable. It's probably the right thing to do in that at that time. But he had said, no, 
that I should be laying on the floor each and every day of the practice facility waiting for the guys to come in so I could rebound for them. I said, Neil, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't understand. You probably don't like that, but that's fine. That's your opinion. So he then goes on to tell me, give, gives me some career advice. And he, he said it in this way, and I've got it written down in the notes. Let me give you some advice. You don't act like a job. You don't act like you need a job. You don't need to be begging. Don't beg for a job. You're entering the business and coaching world. This is entirely new to you. Don't beg. And I said, Neil, I know I'm, this is entirely new to me. And that's why I've been working really hard at it, trying to figure out my paths, my path and get situated for this next step. Then he said, I tell you what, you and your agent have been begging me about what's going on with the Idaho job, the stampede. I'm going to give you one last chance. He gave me a date. I don't know the date off the top of my head. He said, you come down to the practice facility and you're going, you have one more chance to interview for this. But I tell you one thing, you better F and bring it. And he hung up. <laughs> so I went down to that uh, job interview, that final interview for the Idaho Stampede. And I've, I've prepared for that last coaching interview for the stampede as if it was my first one. I was prepared. I was organized. I had my philosophies down. I, I was prepared for uh, questions such as you're down two sideline out of bounds with three seconds left. What do you play? Drew it up. Um, it was prepared for all those scenarios, sat in front of 10 to 12 people, whoever, however many might've been in that conference room uh, interviewing me. I, I, I was fine. I, under, I understood what was happening. Did the interview, walked out of that practice facility that day, knowing two things. I was never going to have a job with the Portland Trailblazers again, and that I felt good and comfortable in leaving on my terms because I prepared, I presented myself in that interview, and I felt good about it. And I left that day knowing that I was not going to be a part of the Portland Trailblazers anymore, but I also knew that the way things were handled uh, didn't sit well with me. And I've held this in for, for a number of years. I've told a few people here and there, um, but when I see the news in, in out of Portland and, and a lot of people are talking about uh, different things that are happening or how people have been treated, I just kind of look at it and be and think to myself, I'm not surprised because he treated me that way right after he got the job. I can only imagine how things have gone for many, many other people over the last nine years. Whether people listen to this, whether they don't, I, it'll, it, to be determined. We'll see what happens. Um, he, maybe people ask more details, maybe not, who knows. But all I know is this, um, I'm not surprised about the news out of Portland. Um, and Portland deserves better um, for their fans. They deserve better for the city. Um, I would love to be a Portland Trailblazers fan again, as I'm sure a lot of other people would in that city.
The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.